This is Susan Keogh with you until one o'clock this afternoon. Now, New Year's Eve, which is tomorrow night, uh, fundamentally about the welcoming of a new year into our lives, but it's also defined by tradition. And many of us do the same thing each year, congregating at places synonymous with the celebrations. And the Irish hidden history of New Year's Eve includes the Galwegian, who began the tradition of gathering in New York's Times Square each year and much more besides. To tell us all about this, we're joined, as always, by Donald Fallon for another edition of Hidden Histories. Good afternoon. Afternoon, Donald. It's good to be here. I pulled myself out of a, a week-long a Bailey's slumber to make it to make it in today. Well, thanks so much for coming into us. Now, Donald, for many people, bells are the place to be tomorrow evening. They are, yeah. And I, I myself am one of these creatures of habit. Every every year, I do the exact same thing on New Year's Eve, and I'm quite content to do that. And and for me, uh, the place to be really is is the Christchurch bells, and that goes right right back into the 19th century. And it, it is, I suppose, as we're saying there, it's a reminder of the great contradiction of this night because, yes, we're looking forward, we're looking at 2019, but we're also looking back. Um, I think we like doing what we've done for a long time, what our parents have done, what our grandparents did. And recently I was rereading this really, really beautiful book called Dublin Voices by Kevin Kearns. It's a, an oral history. You know, we just interviewed Dubliners about what they do for a living. And one of the people he talked to was Leslie Taylor, who's the bell ringer up in Christchurch. And put it best, it's the only time we really get an audience in any mm-hmm. formal sort of way. Other times you don't know who's listening. But on New Year's, they're all out there and they're all listening for the striking of midnight and the ringing after that. Only the best bell ringers will be chosen for that <laughs> night. This is the high point of the Christchurch year. So for me, you know, there's nowhere else to be than down on the street when the bells of Christchurch start going. Now, Donald, there are certain places in the world that do draw most media attention on New Year's there Eve. There are. And it's not actually the places that it should be. You know, for me, we should be listening into the places where they, they get the New Year first. You know, the good people of Samoa and Tonga, they have the honour of welcoming in 2019 before anywhere else. But generally speaking, I mean, the eyes of the world are on places like Sydney, and that is an incredible spectacle. I mean, the, the Sydney event draws in 1.6 million people. It costs them 6 million Australian dollars to do it every year. And it is a masterclass in pyrotechnics. I don't think there's anything quite like the Sydney Opera House. But if there's one place in the world that all eyes tend to turn to, it is, of course, New York's Times Square, right in the middle of it all. And that began with a Galway yeah, man. No, Tell there's us nothing, more. There's nothing in human history <laughs> that wasn't invented by an Irish person or started by an Irish person, as listeners to this slot will have learned by now. And our loyal Galway listenership will be surprised to hear, maybe, that it's thanks to a Galwegian that New Yorkers do what they do. Probably the most famous Irishman in the world once upon a time. And I think you could joke, the most famous Irishman no one's ever heard of is a guy called P.S. Gilmore, a Patrick Sarsfield Gilmore. And he is considered to be the kind of principal figure of 19th century American music, a bandmaster who led parading bands through iconic moments in US history. Uh, and he's eternally honoured in the, the Songwriters Hall of Fame. Uh, but he's, he's someone that undoubtedly has fallen out of popular memory. And recently they did a, a beautiful uh, doc on one on RT Radio. Are we allowed to mention RT Radio? You are. They did a beautiful doc on one <laughs> on RT Radio entitled Ireland's First Superstar, uh, which in many ways this guy was. And he is the origins of this beautiful uh, Times Square ceremony every year. And he wrote one of the most celebrated songs of all time and was an actual celeb, as they say, yeah, mar- in his day. A marvellous song. And I wouldn't hold it against him that it was performed by you 2 It's been performed by just about everybody. Johnny comes marching home again. You know, it's this great anti-war song, this beautiful expression of hope of loved ones, you know, far from the front, that their men would eventually come back from from the carnage of war. And Gilmore has the honour of performing 150 times consecutively the crowds of 10,000 people or more in Madison Square Gardens. I mean, I don't think there's a pop star on the planet today that could do that. And he was so popular that Madison Square Gardens was historically known as Gilmore's Gardens. He performed at the unveiling of the Statue of Liberty in 1886. And then two years later, he begins this great tradition of gathering in Times Square to see in a new year. And people thought it was absolutely mad. Like, why would we do this? What's the point of doing this? But now about a million people 
partake in the madness of a, of a New York New Year's Eve in Times Square every year. So it's quite remarkable that it was a, a Galwegian immigrant you know, who had the good idea uh, of doing that. And hundreds of millions of people uh, tomorrow night will watch New Yorkers as they celebrate a new year. Now, Donald, in Ireland, historical tensions and politics sometimes mm. got in the way of the New Year's tradition. Well, I always wondered, you know, when you're standing at Christchurch, what was that like 100 years ago, say, you know, when Ireland was in the midst of, of, of a revolutionary period? Did people still do that? And it turns out that they did, but there were attempts by the authorities to kind of clamp down on New Year's Eve because it was an unregulated gathering. You know, and any large gathering of people that you couldn't control was a dangerous thing. But it's a really wonderful tale that, that's told well by the, the historian Hugo McGuinness of New Year's Eve 1916. And, and try to imagine what that was like. I mean, a year of rebellion was just passing in Ireland. We're going into 1917 and the authorities banned that annual gathering uh, at, at Christchurch Cathedral. And with very typical Irish defiance, people just showed up anyway. You know, and the Dublin Metropolitan <laughs> Police went, OK, we called this off. They're still here. What are we going to do about it? And then right before midnight... At 11.50pm, 10 minutes to 12, these uniformed men from the Irish Citizen Army appear in the midst of the crowd. They march through it and this massive cheer goes up. Someone shouts, up the rebels, and people start singing rebel songs. So, you know, it, it, it was a brilliant piece of street theatre when you think about it. This kind of political hijacking of an, of an annual tradition. And the authorities never again tried to ban the crowds from hearing the ringing of the bells. You know, right through the revolution, 1919, 20, 21, it was allowed to go ahead. The Citizen Army had made their point loud and clear. And it's also difficult, you know, this year, not to imagine what it was like 100 years ago. 1918, the First World War had just ended. That war that many people thought would just go on and on and on forever ended in November 1918. So imagine the, the positive atmosphere there must have been on New Year's Eve as 1919 was coming into play and men were finally starting to return home. Absolutely. And um, one man in a cherry picker is going to mark the moment in the Liberties, Donald. Tell us it's about a beautiful, this. It's a beautiful tradition. Now, there was a time that they got up and they painted it every year. I think now it's a sign on the wall, health and safety's gone mad. But up at St. James's Gate, the archway entrance to the Guinness Brewery, right on the bang of midnight, they change it. And there's a lovely written account of that from a few years ago. 11.45, Robbie Minto moves his cherry picker into position at the granite arch of St. James's Gate. He is the man responsible for a most public display of Guinness's longevity. His little piece of theatre has an audience. A crowd grows in excitement on the street below. They grow in number two. So 17.59 <laughs> on one side of the St. James's Gate archway and the other side bang on 12 o'clock will change. But I mean, I've been at the nearby Bells for the last 10 years in a row, I think, at this stage. So there's things happening all over the place. You know, this is just around the corner at St. James's Gate where other people have their own tradition and show up to witness that spectacle too. And Donald, it's a Scottish genius, Robert Burns, uh, who gives the night its anthem, though it's not quite the centuries-old tradition that some might think. Yeah, and what a great talent. Robbie Burns, as they know him, and Burns Night is upon us in January. Uh, family buried in Ireland, but Burns never set foot in this country, sadly. But he gave the world it's, it's New Year's anthem in the form of Auld Lang Syne. I think Mariah Carey had a breakdown singing it in Times Square <laughs> a couple of years ago. But Robbie Burns is just this beautiful soul. I mean, he's the national poet of Scotland. He was equal parts radical uh, and romantic. And it seems odd that someone who wrote in this kind of unapologetic Scottish vernacular could give us the song that will echo around Times Square, the Sydney Opera House, Christchurch, and anywhere else you care to mention tomorrow. And it's a funny one, Burns, because, I mean, he's, he's a long time dead. You know, he was born in 1750, same year as Guinness, 1759, buried in 1796. He would probably be very amused by the fact his song made it into the first section of the yeah. Sydney movie. <laughs> but I think what ultimately did it with Burns uh, was in 1929, the brilliant guy Lombardo, great band, they played it at a New Year's party in New York that was broadcast on CBS and NBC. 
into millions of homes on the radio and I think people took it into their hearts and it was popular with Scottish migrants in America and if you travel around America at all even in, 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 uh, in New York City there's a statue of Robert Burns you know wherever there's Scottish immigrants they put up a Burns monument so right through subsequent decades especially though the golden age of Hollywood the 1940s you couldn't have a New Year's scene in a Hollywood film without including the singing of that song but we owe an awful lot I think to Lombardo I think Guy Lombardo in 1929 he's the reason that Robbie Burns has such a hold over tomorrow's celebrations Now Donald the year ahead it is uh, about looking ahead as well as looking on the year that has just gone by but it will see some important and in some cases divisive historic anniversaries yeah, coming we're, this we're year We're still living in this decade of St. Henry's of course you know, we're slowly kind of making our way uh, towards 2022 and the, the, the birth of the, the birth of two states with the partition of Ireland in 2022. But next year is a year with a, an awful lot of reflection. And I mean, the decade of St. Henry's shifts really its focus. We have the 100th anniversary of the doll uh, in January, the first doll. The War of Independence also began in January 1919. And I think looking forward next year, things get a little bit more difficult, the decade of St. Henry's, you know, because we go from great big events like the Rising in Dublin to marking what was very much a guerrilla war, you know, largely in the countryside and rural terrain. And outside of that, other big milestone anniversaries next year are sometimes cultural. 100 years since the birth of Iris Murdoch, one of the greatest selling Irish authors of all time. The great footballer Jackie Carey, Seamus Ennis, his centenary as well. Some of those people we've honoured on this slot. So the historians will be busy next year. You know, there's plenty for us all to reflect on and explore uh, in 2019. And we look forward to it. Donald Fallon, author of the Come Here To Me blog and book volume two. And Happy New Year to you. If anyone wants to buy me a pint, I'll be in the Lord Edwards. (laughs) (laughs) And thank you for all your contributions to News Talk over 2018. On the record. On the record. On News Talk.